0: The Joyce Kaufman podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. And unfortunately, we have to add a name to our list of the fallen warriors. This one is Major Stephan Koo, age 36, of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He died on May 24th in a non-combat related incident at Camp Arijvan in Kuwait. The incident is under investigation. And he was an airman, an Air Force casualty supporting Operation Inherent Resolve. He was assigned to the 32nd Weapons Squadron out of Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. And no matter what the circumstances, Every time we lose one of these brave uh, sailors and airmen and soldiers and marines and uh, space cadets, uh, whatever they call the Space Force, uh, my heart breaks. It breaks not only for them but for their families who will never, you know, be able to celebrate their birthday again with them. And I don't want anyone in this audience ever to forget that the freedom is not free. It costs, and the men and women who serve in the United States military, they sign a check up to and including their life and give it to this government, to this Department of Defense, who many would wonder uh, whether that was a a good idea. I did also want to mention on a more sort of positive note that U.S. Navy sailors serve and protect from around the globe, and every single sailor got their start somewhere. And I'd like to mention aviation ordnanceman, second class Shaquille Brown, who's a native of West Palm Beach, and aviation ordnanceman, third class DeMonta Martin, a native of Montgomery, Alabama, who were... Adjustable weapons adapter ADU 514s in the armament weapons support equipment storeroom aboard the USS Boxer. The Boxer is a WASP class amphibious assault ship that's homeported in San Diego. But because of the connection to Palm Beach in the form of aviation ordnance man Second Class Shaquille Brown, I thought it would be nice to mention that there are those incredible men and women who serve who are far far from home and it's their mamas who stay up all night and worry and we need we need to remember them as well as they continue to do what only uh warriors do you know i was watching something on television i'll get to the uh, other stuff in a moment but i was watching something briefly um i think my husband was watching it about the warriors um through general you know through millennia You know, you can watch these history specials on Genghis Khan and on uh, all of these amazing, Attila the Hun, um, these battle-tested generals, and in many cases, rogues. But there's one thing um, that shines through every one of those shows whenever I get a chance to see them, and that's this incredible determination to win. And that's something that we have not seen enough of in uh, in modern times i also you know there's a new move by the department of defense on this sort of cyber security and it's important you know we we are talking about security at radio stations security at uh, governmental agencies and ai is real and there's no putting the genie back in the bottle and i just saw some deep fake videos in the last 48 hours one was of uh, President Joe Biden, in dressed up as Dylan Mulvaney, the infamous transgender woman that was promoting Bud Light, which definitely hurt the Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch company substantially, although some people say that's over. I don't know how, how over it is. We'll find out. But um, there was this deep fake video of President Biden dressed up in drag and you know, uh, promoting Bud Light. And I, you know, look. Obviously, I didn't believe that it was real, but that's because it was so extreme. Experts are saying that while it's pretty easy to spot the deep fakes at the moment, that it will become virtually impossible in the near future. It's becoming increasingly difficult to identify disinformation particularly sophisticated AI generated deep fake, according to Case Myers, who is a professor at Virginia Tech School of Communication. Spotting this disinformation is going to require users to have more media literacy and more savvy in examining the truth of any claim. The cost barrier for generative AI is also so low that now almost anyone with a computer and an internet access can Use AI, uh, tech companies and everyday citizens. We are going to have to, you know, be conscious of this and we are going to have to try and prevent deep fakes from disrupting the 2024 presidential election, not to mention future elections. You've got to examine sources. When you see things that look a little odd, you have to understand the warning signs and you have to be diligent in what you share online because you may think it's laughable or funny, but you have no idea how it'll be received on the other end. And I don't know if we can just expect citizens to battle this effectively. The companies that produce the AI content and the social media companies where they're spreading this stuff, they're gonna need to have to implement some level of guardrails. Otherwise, we're gonna see just an enormous amount of disinformation Spread and th- that doesn't affect one uh, po- political party more than the other, it doesn't affect you know bureaucracy more than the average person, it won't affect a you know presidential election any less than it will affect a congressional election or a gubernatorial election. A falsified photograph of an explosion near the Pentagon was spread on Monday, and stocks dropped you know, you saw stocks going lower in what was attributed to the first instance of an AI-generated image moving the stock market. And that was according to Bloomberg. I read that on Tuesday. It soon spread on Twitter accounts that reach millions of followers, including the Russia state-controlled news network RT and the financial news site Zero Hedge, which is a participant in the social media company's new Twitter blue verification system. So imagine, you're, um, you're seeing the effects already. We're not quite to the stage where we're seeing deep fakes weaponized, but it can't be too far off. I mean, come on, guys. Um, Danielle Citron of the University of Maryland, Francis King Kari School of Law, um, was writing for the Council on Foreign Relations and said... He uh, predicted specifically about the effect deepfake videos could have on elections. A well-timed and thoughtfully scripted deepfake or series of deepfakes could tip an election. It could spark violence in a city that's primed for civil unrest. It could bolster insurgent narratives about an enemy's supposed atrocities or exacerbate political divisions in a society as if we didn't have serious enough political divisions right now. The opportunities for the sabotage of rivals are legion. I mean, you could sink a trade deal by slipping to a foreign leader, a deep fake purporting to reveal the insulting true beliefs or intentions of the president. In all fairness, though, software applications like Adobe Photoshop have really uh, let us do some deep fake images for a long time. I've never mastered the technique. I don't know about the rest of you, but it's different now. Something has changed thanks to the introduction of this high-tech, super advanced artificial intelligence. You know, Photoshop um, lets you make fake images, but AI creates altered videos that are very compelling. And given that this information is now a pretty big part of online content, This type of fake news content can reach a much wider audience, especially if it goes viral. I remember the first time we even used that term went viral, right? Now it's like it's almost impossible to keep things from going viral if they're the least bit salacious or the least bit controversial. Pretty good chance it'll go viral. The one thing that could theoretically help is some regulation, but there doesn't seem to be any regulations on their way quite yet. And of course, I'm always reluctant to call for regulations because they always go way overboard. Just this week, the uh, formal, uh, former rather Google CEO, Eric Schmidt, expressed doubt that the US government will launch a new regulatory agency to handle AI anytime soon. Of course, the issue is that lawmakers do not want to create a new law regarding AI before they know where the technology is going because then you're just going to have to keep changing the law. There was another deepfake that I saw. It showed um, Donald Trump as a character from this TV series called Better Call Saul, only it said Better Call Trump. And, uh, you know, what you have to do or what they're telling you to do is to keep an eye out for unnatural body movements or uh, a noticeable lack of emotion or if things are unnaturally colors. And if it's, you know, if the teeth and the hair look fake and just use your common sense. I mean, obviously, uh, Joe Biden's not going to dress up in drag and do a commercial for Bud Light. I mean, it's just, you know, Really? I mean, you might get a chuckle out of it, but don't send it to anybody. Jake Tapper yesterday was breaking down a very bad news poll for a CNN poll, mind you, for Joe Biden. You know, because, of course, everybody says he's just going straight to the nomination. He's going to get that nom- nomination, um, which, of course, lets you know that it's a pretty rigged process. Um But there are some signs, according to Jake Tapper, that he's so unpopular and he's got horrible polling numbers. And on a day when the octogenarian career politician blew town along with congressional lawmakers and left the debt ceiling negotiations in limbo, as they all went to have a little R&R over the long holiday weekend, you know, the people in the country, the mood in the country is souring and we're not happy about this. Cable News Network survey found that two-thirds of Americans would see Biden's re-election as either a setback or a disaster for the nation. That's horrible news for Joe Biden, and that's a CNN poll, okay? While the president leads his Democratic competitors by a huge margin, two thirds of all of the American people surveyed, 66% of the public say that a Biden victory would either be a setback or a disaster. Can you imagine? Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out who is, oh, I know who the other, I, was, I know Robert F. Kennedy is a opposition candidate, but there's also Ann Williamson. I always forget her, which is not a good sign for her. Not that I forget her, but I think everybody forgets her and can't really uh, tackle the big one even if he is the big sleepy one, if nobody knows you're running. Anyway, let me, uh, let me take a, a break. I wanted to remind you that if you go to the website, 850wftl.com, you can find out about all the cool contests that we are running currently, and you can register to win a number of different prizes, as well as on the app, the 850 WFTL app. So make sure that you visit them and sign up for whatever you're eligible for. Uh, You stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, you know, it's so funny. Whatever your political um, pleasure is these days, you can find plenty to support it on the internet. And of course, I had a dozen people email me all this uh, you know, jazz about, oh, in spite of the terrible uh, you know, glitches on the, uh, whatever that was, that uh, announcement on Twitter by the governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, despite that he, he raised $8 million in the first 24 hours and all this blah, 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 blah and I get it. And then the people who are uh, Trump supporters are all sending me the, uh, for months, High level Republican lawmakers and donors and strategists eager to block Trump have described in conversation after conversation an endgame to the presidential primary. When it becomes clear in the early state national polling who is consolidating support, guess what? Nothing. Nope. And then they said, Oh, well, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna stage a political intervention. That's what people said to politico, right? And we'll get the strongest alternative to Trump, which, of course, they've decided. When Politico has decided that Ron DeSantis is the strongest alternative, then Republicans should run like hell, but they won't. Um, and and it, that's so bizarre. You know, the, the elite Republicans who are so interested in getting past Trump, no more Trump, uh, really ought to wake up and smell the coffee. You can stop sending me the fundraising numbers. It doesn't really matter because... As spring turns to summer, and this is when you decide whether you're getting any traction, uh, Trump is is roaring. Just like he did in 2016, he takes advantage of these moments. You had the, uh, uh, you know, this whole pre-announcement period. Whoever told that. Uh, to Ron DeSantis, whoever said, "Hey, look, you know this is a good idea. Just you know, drag it out, drag it out, and then and then sign a law saying that you can run as governor." You know, um, all of that did not help him. I don't care how much money he raised. We knew he was going to be able to raise money, but botched rollouts are not good ideas. And you know, uh, you know, <laughs> all you got to do is look at his rivals, whether it was Nikki Haley or Donald Trump making fun of that botched rollout. And, and if uh, Ron DeSantis needs any more evidence that his giving the Heisman to the press uh, has not made him stand in good stead with them, just look at the hot headlines that are out there. You can complain all you want about the media but Republican primary voters are just as susceptible to the tides of the coverage as their Democrat counterparts. And right before DeSantis began his bid um, for the office of you know, pre- the president, Senator Tim Scott entered the race in a fashion that further underscored why it's gonna be so hard to knock Donald Trump off the throne. You know, there he was in the uh, gym of his alma mater, the Charleston Southern University. Scott matched DeSantis' Elon Musk with Senator John Thune and Larry Ellison, the billionaire from Oracle. And each of them conveyed an important message. You know, when Thune said, go with Scott, he's the second ranking Senate Republican. That told the wider pre-Trump GOP establishment that the only black senator in the GOP is one of them. And while that may not mean a lot of votes, just because uh, minority leader Mitch McConnell gave him a you know a hug and Thune gave him an endorsement, it just talks to the donor class, to the Republican donor class, doesn't talk to the rest of us. And Thune may soon have more company in the uh, Senate GOP. Other Republican lawmakers are going to back their colleague. There's no question about it, especially the scary, scaredy cat ones. And there are plenty of them, plenty of the rhinos who are scared to death of Trump because he means the end of their, uh, cushy, non-confrontational gig. So, uh, now it's a, you know, let me put it to you this way. I believe that Senator Tim Scott entered this race at the behest of the elites. They don't like Ron DeSantis. They like him better than Trump, but they don't like him. They remember him as a Congressman. He does not um, toe the line. He's not business friendly. So the elites are not gonna get him. When I say not business friendly, I mean, obviously this whole Disney thing, well, it makes me happy. It's not gonna play well in most of the country. And it definitely is not going to play well with the donor class. It's just not, because you're coming after them. And you got guys like uh, Ellison from Oracle who are backing Tim Scott. That would have been a a huge accomplishment if if Ron DeSantis had gotten him, because – Ellison says he's going to spend tens of millions of dollars on Tim Scott. Now think about that. Tens of millions of dollars. So stop sending me your uh, Ron DeSantis uh, raised $8 million. Okay. Because I need to know that somebody is going to spend tens of millions of dollars on him because Donald Trump's going to spend tens of millions of dollars if he has to. And Tim Scott is gonna spend tens of millions of dollars. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy isn't, cause he doesn't have it. And now he's been knocked off LinkedIn. I, I'm still trying to figure that out. They said he's full of hate speech, you know, he's not even, he's a minority, uh, but anyway. Uh, I know Nikki Haley doesn't have tens of millions of dollars coming her way. Really only Joe Biden and Donald Trump have tens of millions of dollars, and now Tim Scott. So for all of you who are you know, uh, giving a standing ovation for raising $8 million, he better be able to raise $80 million or none of this is gonna matter. All these donors that went to the uh, event for Scott on Tuesday morning, you have no idea. Nobody's talking about them. Tim Scott is keeping a very low profile. You know, He has all of those alliterative call and response victimhood or victory. You know, the power, uh, Yeah, what was it he said, uh, from cotton to Congress. You know, that, that stuff resonates a lot more than what I hear coming out of, uh, you know, the governor's camp. It's pretty unimpressive, really. You know, now he's going after Donald Trump, okay. If you want to get into that war, good luck. I've never seen anybody win it against Donald Trump, not Ted Cruz, not Chris Christie, nobody wins that war not Marco Rubio. And I don't believe Ron DeSantis can win that war. So go ahead and say, oh, he he added more money to the debt than in four years and, uh, you know, whatever. He's trying to paint him now as the anti-conservative. Well, uh, you know, we got three Supreme Court justices. That ends that conversation, okay? It's over. We have peace. We have no, uh, you know, no military deaths to speak of. So no, it's just not going to it's not going to work. And so far, you know, the idea that you're going to say he is not pro-life, that's really going to be a tough case to make, because I remember all of the pro-life uh, conversations that Donald Trump had that everybody was saying, why can't he just be quiet about that? We don't want to talk about that. So now you got Ron DeSantis saying, well, he's not really pro-life. I am you know, the six week heartbeat bill. Look, there are a lot of people who argue about the six week heartbeat bill. I'm not one of them. I'm with Ron on that one, but mm, that's definitely not a mainstream conservative opinion. It's just not. So we'll see. As I said yesterday, and I said the day before, and I'm probably gonna say every day from now until November of 2024, this is a great time to be a radio personality. It's a great time to be into politics. There's so much going on and it's it's super, super interesting. You got uh you know, the the I, I was looking at that Rick Scott speech again last night. You know, it was great. It really was. I, I felt like it reminded me of Jack Kemp. And there again, you know, everybody's scratching their head. Jack Kemp. Yeah. Very Ronald Reagan, hope filled and all that other stuff. You know, everybody said, oh, well, you know, there have been others. There was Ben Carson. There was Herman Cain, the late, great Herman Cain. So it's not like uh, Tim Scott's the first black Republican or black conservative. Yeah, there were those, but I don't believe any of them started out with $22 million in the bank. As a matter of fact, I'm sure neither one of them did. I think both together didn't. And certainly, uh, you know, Cory Gardner and people like that, Nah, never happened. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, let me take a quick break. Stay right where you are. I will be right back. So they all go uh, trotting off in spite of the fact that there is not a deal yet. Now, they are saying that the negotiators are moving closer to an agreement to raise the debt limit and to cap federal spending for two years, Um. Okay, so then why wouldn't you just finish the work? Stocks were up, though, this morning because any hope of a deal makes the market stronger. You know, that um, the yields on the Treasury bonds maturing in early June did go down, which is a sign that investors are getting more confidence. Um, so we'll see. Defense spending would be permitted to rise 3% next year uh, let's see what else, uh, we're making progress. I don't know. You know, you read these things, The deal would cut $10 billion from an $80 billion budget increase for the Internal Revenue Service, which of course is part of what he won in his Inflation Reduction Act. Republicans have warned of a wave of agents and audits, while Democrats said the increase would pay for itself through less tax cheating what is taking shape would be far more limited than the opening offer from Republicans who called for raising the debt ceiling through next March in exchange for 10 years of spending caps. They'll be lucky if they get a year of spending freeze. Um, And the conservatives are already balking in the House. And the House Freedom Caucus sent a letter to McCarthy demanding that he not, uh, you know, don't bow down. An advisor to the House Democratic leadership said the White House had not shared any word about agreements on spending caps or IRS funding. So you're getting two different stories from two different sides. Meanwhile, um, Kevin McCarthy said he's going to work through the weekend. But if a deal gets reached, Tuesday is probably the day that the House will vote on it. And then the senate would have to act real quickly to send it to the desk of the president before june 1st which is the date that treasury secretary janet yellen has said that her department will run out of cash first of all i don't believe that you know i don't know about the rest of you but every time they've done this and on the one occasion when they did so-called shut down the government really everybody saw their social security checks and uh, you know the military was paid what ended up happening was a bunch of these uh, bureaucratic, uh, no-purpose no uh, employees, they had to take an IOU from the United States government. If you're going to get an IOU, that's probably the best place to get it from anyway. Because we don't default, although we do, you know, sometimes. Uh, sometimes go right up to the wire. Just so you don't think I never talk about how disgusting and grotesque certain Republicans are. And this is a Republican that uh, in the past, I've had a relative amount of um, respect for. And after looking at some of the uh, news that's coming out about the investigation into Ken Paxson, the attorney general from Texas, this is crazy. If this stuff is true, And again, you never know what to believe or what not to believe, especially coming out of like, you know, um, MSNBC or anywhere else. But when you have a House ethics panel, which, by the way, last time I checked, the Texas House is in the hands of the Republican Party. They did a months long ethics probe into Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and alleged that he abused his office and broke the law. To help a campaign donor and they could as soon as this weekend uh come to a decide whether to eject him you know if a majority of the house members agree to impeach the senate the texas senate would hold a trial on whether to remove him from office gop representative charlie guerin a member of the house committee on general investigating said that after the unanimous vote to recommend impeachment, I think we did the right thing. Of course, Ken Paxson is already gearing up for a blowout fight. Um, an agency attorney stormed into the committee room on Thursday demanding to be heard as a witness and calling the impeachment proceedings illegal. And Paxson said uh, "You know the, that the Republicans in the Texas legislature are corrupt and they're in league with Washington Democrats. Who want to stymie his agendas they want nothing more than to sabotage our legal challenges to biden's agenda they want to take me out now that may prove to be true but an impeachment recommendation is rare and i don't know what governor greg abbott's plan is because once they start impeachment proceedings he cannot perform his official duties Paxson has to be sat down and i don't know if uh, Governor Abbott would appoint an interim attorney general, who could go on with the uh, you know the business of the state, or who takes the helm. I don't know if there's a you know subordinate that would be moved into the position temporarily. You know, I can't even remember the last time I was talking about a um, an impeachment of a, of an office holder in the state of Texas. I think it's not happened in most of my adult lifetime. But Ken Paxton has had ethics scandals throughout the, his three terms. Right after he took office, he was indicted on a felony security fraud charge. Still hasn't gone to trial. He's been investigated, but he was cleared, I believe, of a bunch of bribery, bribery allegations. And he keeps winning re-election. And he's a close ally of, you know, my Republican choice for the presidency, Donald Trump. Um, he fought for the election results and made himself a big name in Texas. He's been fighting relentlessly, lawsuits against the Biden administration, and he's not afraid to, you know tackle the, the culture war issues. Now, the White House, no, not the White House, the House Ethics Pro began in March around the time he asked the legislature to fund a $3.3 million settlement with a group of whistleblowers who accused him of abusing his office to help Nate Paul, an Austin real estate developer and campaign donor. In a lengthy hearing, the investigators alleged a pattern of misconduct by Paxton that crossed the line into criminal behavior, that he improperly used his office's resources, money and time to help Paul on multiple occasions throughout twenty twenty, raising alarm bells even among his senior deputies, who viewed his personal interventions as highly unusual and unethical. Included marshaling agency resources to aid Paul's businesses in a legal conflict with a charitable foundation. So we'll see what happens, but don't don't think that I won't call out you know the 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 crap, wherever it is, whatever party it happens to be tr- attached to. Garbage is garbage, swamp is swamp. I don't care what you know, what name it comes in. Republican swamp, a Democrat swamp, it's all swamp to me. So I'll call it out and I'll call it as I see it. All right, don't forget coming up at one o'clock is Dan Boncino. at four o'clock is Ben Shapiro, and at five o'clock, Matt Walsh, then the WPTV News, and then we are headed into a Memorial Day weekend. I'm here in Los Angeles. And I'm going to talk about a story that's huge on the West Coast, a huge story right now uh, about the, you know, Elon Musk's uh, desire to inflict tremendous harm on monkeys. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but trust me, it's a big story. Oh, also, just as an aside, yesterday, as we were attempting to leave the house to go uh, pick up our grandkids from school, um, there's like a, a gate that opens up, you you know, press a button in the car and the gate opens up, except that when we opened up the gate, there was a homeless woman who had literally set up her camp right in front of the driveway, parked her bike, took out her, uh, sleeping stuff, uh, done everything short of pitching a tent. I'm sure she was about to do that, but we stopped her. And I sat there and said to my husband, he looked at me and we said, We're standing in the middle of a, you know, a multimillion-dollar driveway and neighborhood, and this is what greets us? No. You see, uh, there's nothing to commend L.A. to me. All right, let me take our our break. I will have one final segment, so stay right where you are. You know, I'm one of these people who I'm always nervous about sort of science that borders on science fiction, even though I really, I'm fascinated by it. And there was a point in time where I used to watch a tremendous, and read a tremendous amount of science fiction. But I've been, since I got here to California, I've been looking at a lot of California sites. And, um, there's a big story now about Elon Musk's company. It's called Neuralink. It's a brain chip company. And apparently they've got a big legal battle going on with an animal rights group that has accused the company of subjecting monkeys to extreme suffering during years of gruesome experiments. Neuralink's brain chips, which Elon Musk says will one day make me and you, hyper-intelligent, and even let people who have been paralyzed walk again, were implanted in monkeys' brains during a series of tests at the University of California Davis from 2017 to 2020, according to a complaint from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine filed with the U.S. Department of Agriculture on Thursday. In one example, a monkey was allegedly found missing some of its fingers and toes possibly from self-mutilation or some other unspecified trauma. The monkey was later killed during a terminal procedure, the group said in a copy of the complaint shared with the post. In another case, a monkey had holes drilled in its skull and electrodes implanted in its brain, then allegedly developed a bloody skin infection and had to be euthanized. In a third instance, a female macaw monkey, had electrodes implanted into its brain, then was overcome with vomiting, retching, and gasping. And days later, researchers wrote that the animal appeared to collapse from exhaustion, fatigue, and was subsequently euthanized. An autopsy then showed the monkey had suffered from a brain hemorrhage, according to the report. So now we, you know, the statute of limitations has expired. So now, and this is not the first time I'm ever telling this, but it certainly... um, the first time in a long time that I'm telling the story. Back in the days when I was a college student, I was part of the original group uh, called the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. And, you know, as many of you know, I've been a vegetarian or a vegan most of my life, Um, not because I have such a tremendous, uh, you know, hatred of meat, but because I always thought that uh, there was something really cruel about the kind of animal farming that we've done uh, in modern times, certainly in my whole lifetime. You know, the the idea I would watch these videos of, you know, the, the awful treatment of uh, chickens and then pigs and kept in confinement and these uh, veal calves. And it was just uh, too much for me as a young uh, and very, very I guess you would say decent person. And so when I was at, um, college in, in the, I guess it was in 1971 or 72, um, I became part of a team. We knew that there were these experiments going on at Columbia, Columbia college in Manhattan, on the Upper West side in these laboratories that involved rabbits and monkeys. And so, Uh, You know, it doesn't take uh, too much uh, marijuana and alcohol to convince everybody that they're going to become like some super rescue team and go into these labs and free these animals. So, of course, I got convinced that we could do this. I won't tell you how it worked out. It didn't work out very well. But I will tell you that some of the things I saw in that laboratory have haunted me to this day. You know some of the ridiculous experiments that were taking place that could have been duplicated by con- just by a computer program even then, you know, or a scientific trial that wasn't as vicious and 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 just destructive as what I saw. You know, testing um, cosmetics on uh, bunnies by by sticking them in the bunnies' eyes. I mean, it was just awful, and and the animals were suffering terribly. So when I read this article out here in California about these monkeys that uh, Elon Musk has been doing these experiments on, I had to really um, fight back the revulsion. Because on one hand, I have always said that if, uh, if my child was about to you know die and there was no heart with which she, she could be, you know, receive a transplant, and a baboon's heart would beat long enough in her chest until a donor could be found, I would be okay with that, you know, because to me, human life is, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I am a speciesist. Um, I don't think animals should be hurt unnecessarily. Um, So this kind of bothers me that Elon Musk would be doing these kind of experiments. And I have to tell you, You know, drilling holes in monkeys' brains, not necessary. You could do that all with computers. I know he knows you could do this stuff with computers. Now, you don't have to maim and kill animals anymore, especially at the Neuralink, uh, the company Neuralink, uh, at their level. And now he wants to start human trials for the devices in 2022. They actually posted a job listing out here in California for a clinical trial director. So what does that mean? Are they going to be drilling holes in the heads of, uh, you know, like the lady who was trying to set up camp in front of the driveway here? You know, there's plenty of homeless people here. I'm sure you could convince them to follow you, and that's pretty scary. So I'm going to want to do a little more investigating into Neuralink and UC Davis and all of these uh, violations of the Federal Animal Welfare Act before I decide. Anyway... Uh, It's Memorial Day. It's a somber holiday. On Monday, I will have a very special Memorial Day show. I'll talk not only about the holiday and how it began as Decoration Day, but I'll also be talking about Arlington National Cemetery because it's a fascinating subject and I think you'll enjoy that show and take a little break away from all the crap of politics. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back in Florida on the air on Tuesday, if it be his will and he delays his coming. God bless you. God bless the men and women who have served.